This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 825 with returning guest, Julie Ciardi. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 825. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Julie Ciardi is a business and mindset coach for women. She helps overwhelmed entrepreneurs create a plan to become CEO and design their dream business. Julie is uniquely positioned to help women start or grow their businesses because she spent 20 years in a Fortune 50 company as a sales and marketing vice president. She also has started and grown her own successful businesses. Julie opened a brick and mortar women's boutique, taking it to six figures in just four months. She also grew a network marketing business and became a top 2% leader. Ultimately, Julie sold and exited those businesses to build her current coaching business for women. She's on a mission to help women wake up on Monday mornings loving what they are about to do. So Julie was on the show in the early days of the SMA, and I loved that conversation. I've always remembered it. And I've done like almost 450 or maybe almost 500 interviews at this point. They don't all stand out to me, but Julie's always stood out to me. I loved our conversation because of Julie's passion, her energy, her drive. We just we're kind of kindred spirits in that way. So I've watched her grow over the years and I was really excited to have the opportunity for a second conversation because I've watched her grow and evolve and I've been dying to talk to her about it all 
on Mike. So here we are. Listen in to hear Julie share the power of going first and facing a fear or stepping into vulnerability, the identity transformation she found in deciding to go gray and how it deeply impacted her life over the three years. This was, has been like, you'll hear us talk about it, but it's been a really cool thing to watch play out on social media. So I've been so curious to ask her about this in real life. The lie that she was told about having to stand out when it came to trying to build a business, how she realized it was time to pivot at various points in her career, which might help you see if maybe it's time for you to pivot in yours, how she did things her own way in her 20-year career as an IBM executive, why you must own your narrative if you want to do things your way, the importance of making a choice to live by design versus live by default. And then we dig into her now goal formula, which is super fun. I love a formula and I love this formula. And then we close out talking about the knowing doing gap and why we tend to get stuck there for so long. So this is a fun, a juicy conversation. I know you're going to love it. You probably will want to share it with folks. So with all that, please join me in welcoming back to the Shameless Mom Academy, Julie Ciardi. Julie, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh, I'm so excited. You're back with a new brand. You're back with a new podcast. You're back with a new hairstyle that we're going to have to talk about, all the new things. So welcome back. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Sarah, I am so excited to do this. How long ago was it? I think it was five years ago. I think your episode was in the late 300s, I think, or maybe early 400s. So that puts you like four years ago. So much has changed. I cannot wait to talk. It's so good to see you. We're going to have some fun. Uh, this is going to be great. <laughs> well, I've been watching you on Instagram this whole time and you like things started to shift in your business. I was like, oh, she's like shifting how who she serves, which we'll get into in just a minute. And I was like noticing and loving the direction that things were going. But then your hair started to shift. And I was like, okay, like this is not what this business is about, but I'm here for the hair. So I want to dig into that piece as well. We'll I'll let you throw that in wherever you want, but I'm sure there's like some intersections of like where one changes their hair and you can explain what, how your hair is different, but where one decides as you know, in a certain point in life to change their hair in a dramatic way and how that becomes part of the thing that you're building and your identity and how you're going to show up in the world moving forward. So we're going to dig into all of that. I want you to, first of all, tell us a little bit about your personal and professional life at this point, especially since you were on the show four to five years ago. And at that time, representing your brand, Divorced Mommy. And then what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, four years ago, I, you know, I'm a mom of three. And so four years ago, right now, my daughter's about to turn 20 on this weekend. She's my oldest. So 2018 and nine, five years ago, I mean, that's wildly different. That's a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, right? And a totally different stage a five-year-old, right? Like so kindergarten. Kindergarten, right? So different. And so much has changed. And what's fascinating is that, you know, these past four years, they were my big entrepreneurial growth years because really right before our first conversation, I had just left a 20-year corporate career at IBM. So I was a vice president of marketing at IBM for like 20 years. And so when last we spoke, I had just left that. I was trying to build this business. And if any of the listeners you know, have built a business or have been building a business or career, I mean, you grow at the rate and pace of the business, right? You have to grow. You have to totally. evolve. And so, so much has transpired over the last four years. And I know we'll get into that and kind of you know making those pivots and those changes as you grow, including the hair, which I, I feel like we can't keep them like too I know, much on the edge of their seat. 
Like spill the beans. So my hair is was part of that transition. And I had been going gray. I thought like white. I wasn't even sure what was under there. Really since I was like 2021. 20, genetically, like it's just in the family. My Nana, you know, she started going gray very, very early in her 20s. And I followed suit. And so I had spent like 25 years covering it. I mean, no one even knew. I was like, I didn't want a spark of like silver coming anywhere. And so I was always getting my hair colored. I would use a spray if I saw one little piece coming through. Like I was like ridiculously anal about it. And then I was about 45, 46 years old. I just turned 49 this weekend. So around 45, 46, I knew I'm like, I'm going to grow this out. Like I'm going to go into my fifties rocking whatever this natural hair looks like. And I was inspired from other women. So I started to see some women. It was only a few in the beginning, like four years ago or so, where I started seeing women where, you know, starting to grow their hair out with their natural pattern, whatever that pattern may be. And I was so inspired. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. And then where I should have done it was over the pandemic when I had like a four inch root. Why I didn't just (laughs) stick with it then, I don't know. But I was the first in line to get my hair done by my my hair, hair stylist oh my when it was time. But about a year after that, I said to her, I'm like, let's go. I'm going to grow this out. And so December of 2021, I stopped coloring. And so it's been, it'll, December will be two years. And I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised of what's underneath. It is different in um, every light, so but it's like these natural highlights. And it's just, yes. it, it was a really scary decision. Like any of these things, whether it was leaving IBM, you know, growing the hair out, starting a business, all the things. It's like, it's scary at first. You know, I first came home from starting the process and my little guy was like, oh my gosh, look like Elsa, like from Frozen. And, you know, and then he was like, mom, like you gotta be like a grandma, you know? And like, and and of course, you know, all these things we don't, you know, we have perspectives on aging that, you know, need to be shifted. And I just was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm going to do it. And it was a process of time and patience, but also like having more belief in me too. It was really interesting. Like there's like this personal growth that happens when you go through a shift physically. Like it was a wildly different look. Like when you look at me now versus like four years ago, I mean, it's it's a very dramatic difference. And so, yeah, even a shift like that, it took a lot of personal growth <laughs> to get through oh, it and I inspiration. Love it. I love Thank that you it. point out that you gave yourself permission to do it because you saw other women doing it as well. I think this is so important when we decide to make bold decisions that we do them not only because we're doing it for ourselves, but recognizing that when we decide to do something bold, that is maybe a little uncommon, that we are also inviting everyone who's watching to do it as well. And I think that that is such a huge gift. And that doesn't mean we owe it to anyone to do anything for them, but recognizing that people are watching and that's just part of human nature. People are watching, they're curious. And I've watched multiple women now go through this process starting during the pandemic, which I think is when people just were in their houses and like, oh, actually it turns out now that I'm seeing my four inch roots, not that bad. And it's been amazing to see a number of colleagues and friends go through that process and they didn't know what the end would be like. And it's like better than they could have imagined. And now I know so many people who were like, I'm really excited to do this too. Or when I start to gray or white, like I'm going to let it just go. And it's amazing. Can I just, uh, before we get into like some other stuff, I do want to just like, because I think it's symbolic of anything. Someone's listening right now and there's something that they want to do, whatever that thing is, right? But you've got the fear, you're not sure. It could be lots of different things. When you go first, 
and you don't have to be the first one. Like you could be inspired by other people. I was super inspired by other women I saw rocking their natural silvers and grays and whites and all the things. And then when I went, but here's the powerful thing. Like I get chills saying this and my kids have gotten to witness this now every time we're out in public. There, I can't go out in public where someone doesn't stop me and say, wow, is that your natural hair color? And I say, yes. And they say, oh my gosh, that is so inspiring. I've so wanted to do that, but I have, I've been nervous, but I'm going to do this now. Right. And the kids next to me going, Oh, wow. Okay. Right. And now they just know like, Oh, if we're going to go out anywhere, like we were in Majorca this summer and it was like, people were stopping me because it was just, it, you got to go first and it's scary, yeah. but then you inspire other people. And mm-hmm. I have gotten messages from women sending me pictures saying, all right, I'm four months in on this. And it's just, it makes you feel so good. So. Even if you have fear on something, you can go first. I mean, it's silly. We're talking about hair, but it's symbolic, right? It's like this symbolic of, you know, of going first on something that is scary and you're not sure about, and it can be really empowering. And honestly, it did impact my brand. It impacted my boldness, if that makes sense. I think when I look back at my coaching business, which is what I have now. So I, you know, left IBM, started this coaching business, which is now five years old, which is just amazing to me. But when I started, I was following the rules of what I was Mm. taught and what I was taught and right about the time when I talked to you was you got to pick a blue ocean strategy. It's got to be something that not everyone is doing and talking about so that you can stand out. That's not true, by the way. You do not need to do that. In fact, that's actually harder to do that. than it is in Red Ocean, okay? But what happened was I really was coached on find the thing that will really make you stand out versus the thing that I was really passionate about wanting to talk about and help people with. That was, I just, I didn't have the inner belief system yet that I could do that. And so I was following other people's advice. And so I did get divorced from my older two kids' dad when they were, you know, four and two. And now they're 20 and 18. And it's, we do, we have just like this beautiful, beautiful co-parenting, like we're a family. We are a family. My little guy who is not this, they don't have the same dad. He thinks he's his uncle. Like he just loves him. He loves him. It's just beautiful. And we worked really hard. We're not lucky. We're, we worked hard. We had this like vision. We worked hard. And so Divorced Mommy was the original name of the podcast because I really was like, okay, sir, I'm going to go help other women. That's a good one. Like not like that's where my heart is, even though I do think I'll write a book on co-parenting at some point, like in my years just as a passion project, like to do on the side, but not have a business around. But I was picking that niche because I thought I needed to pick something that was really going to stand out. And that's why I went down that path. Now, here's what's funny. Your soul, you can't like, you can't stop your soul. So what was happening is that in this podcast, which was supposed to be for divorced moms, helping them to create lives that they want, even though they were divorced, I was talking about things I was passionate about. I can't help it. And so I had all these people listening that would come up to me or send me a message and go, oh my God, your podcast today was so good, but I can't tell anyone about it because I'm not divorced. And if anyone saw that I was listening to a divorced mommy podcast, they would think I'm getting divorced or whatever. It was the funniest thing. And I'm like, it was kind of that nudge of like, wait a minute, there's something out of alignment here. That's not the niche you're meant to serve. Where are you meant to serve? And so that really started the whole pivot. But what it did, just like with the hair... I actually started to find my voice and find what just that the answers are more in me, not an outside authority. 
And if that's something that no matter what, it doesn't have to be a business, it could be anything. It's following that, that nudge, that inside authority that's already telling you, like my inside authority was like, grow the hair out. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone's saying. doesn't matter what anyone else is going to think. So it's following that inner authority. And so, yeah, I pivoted the business from divorced mommy to really helping women, moms really be able to start and grow businesses that create freedom and fulfillment. It's not about like private jets and luxury handbags. Like that is not what my jam is about. It's really about what is success to you? What does freedom look like? What do you want your weeks to look like? Because the kids grow fast. I know that now having two in college and only one left at home, it went really quick, helping them be able to grow businesses that allow them to have that time and that freedom that they want to have with their kids. And that's where my heart was. That's really the where I wanted to talk about all along. But that's you get tripped up when you're kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do? And what's the right mm-hmm. thing to do to be successful? This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I love that distinction. I think all of what you just said is so important, but this really specific distinction around having to build something different in order to stand out and have like your really specific niche versus go ahead and do the thing that everyone else is doing because your passion for it is the thing that will make you stand out. And I think that I often find myself in that situation where like I became a personal trainer, personal trainers, it's like, it's not super niche, right? Like working, my client avatar is like working with women and moms. That's like almost everyone who is served by personal trainers. And so I didn't want to necessarily go like more niche than that. But what I realized over time was the way that I engaged with that population, the way that I was able to serve them on because I was doing this all locally, really set me apart from the other local businesses to the point that when I was looking for fitness studio space at one point, my leasing agent guy, he wanted to take me and have me look at office space right next door or business space right next door to a CrossFit gym. And he's like, I don't know if this would work. And I was like, oh my God, that would be perfect. <laughs> like, because there's a whole bunch of people who tried out CrossFit and they're like, oh, that was horrible. And then they're going to be like, oh, but what about the women's fitness studio next door? So I was like, I don't need to try to stand out. I can be in the same place serving the same people, but with passion around like my specific area of expertise or passion around how I show up and serve women or passion around like how I talk about the things I talk about. And that's yeah, the difference. Because you know what? You are the niche, right? That's the whole yeah. thing. Like it's like you, mm. it's, the way I look at a brand is that it's you plus your niche equals your brand. So what happens is, is that you actually do create blue ocean every single time because you're unique. That's yeah. what, I, you know, it's like we miss that piece. And I think like the traditional online marketing and what is taught sometimes is like, it's missing that piece that we bring, we are, if you're especially a service-based type of entrepreneur, you are the product. So you are differentiated and unique because you're you. So the more in alignment you can talk with passion about what it is you want to talk about or build the business the way you want to build it versus what a guru might say or what's trending right now is so important. It's actually going to be the thing that makes you stand out. I love that. And I also want to bridge this for people who are listening who are not entrepreneurs because I yes. think that this also applies in the corporate space. I do a lot of work with in leadership and executive coaching. And when I I talk with leaders about building a, their own personal leadership brand in the professional workspace. Same thing, like building, showing up and leading in the way that is unique to you in the way that allows you to tap into your, like your best gifts and strengths. It's going to look really different than how Bob down the hallway does it or whoever in the next cubicle over does it like do it the way that is aligned with your gift strengths and talents. And that's going to be the thing that catapults you in the direction to grow in a way that is that feels good to you. Yes. I think that we're, and especially in spaces like, well, I would say women building their own businesses feel like we have to do it the way that it's been done for us, which is typically following like, how do men do it? And same thing in those corporate spaces, we're thinking, I have to stay in line. I have to do it. This is how it's been done before. And then we're like kind of silenced and boxed in in a certain way. And it, that doesn't benefit our career. 
I really would like to hit on that for a minute, if that's okay, because yeah. I know I'm sure you have so many women that listen, moms that listen that are not maybe building their own businesses, but they had these careers. Like, so I spent 20 years at IBM and I did things my way there. And let me tell you, it was not the traditional path. And even in corporate, in companies, there usually are traditional paths when you want to become an executive, right? So like the second I got there, I'm like, okay, when am I going to be an executive? You know, I was like 25 and I'm like, well, I want to be an executive now, right? And so- <laughs> Or I was even younger than that. And so I'm like, what's the path? I wanted to know the path. And I was told, well, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this. Well, I was also about at the time of starting to have kids, like my first daughter coming. And the path was you basically work for a senior executive traveling all over the world, working like 18 hour days for about two years. And when you do that, guaranteed that first exec spot. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I was told, if you say no to that, you'll never be an executive here. And I got offered that spot twice by two different senior executives. And I said no twice because wow. one time I was I had the one kid. And then the second I had two years later, I had the second child. I'm like, not doing it, but I'm still going to become an executive. I'm just going to do it my way. Mm. And I was told, again, told, right? It's never going to happen. Well, you know what? It 100% happened. And I can remember sitting in one of the boardrooms, the youngest person there. I still wasn't an executive. I was a manager. I was also the soccer coach of the four-year-old soccer team. Okay. Oh my God. I love, love, love the juxtaposition. Oh my gosh. And I'm 45 minutes from home and the balls are in my car. The soccer balls are in the back of my car. And I'm sitting there and the junior person in the room. And here's the other sad thing, Sarah. Every single person in the room was a female, by the way, because it was marketing and marketing was probably one of the more female professions at IBM. It was all women in this corner office, window office, right? And the meeting is now going over by an hour and a half. So it wasn't even like I was trying to like get out of like, I mean, we're like going way over it. And I'm like, I got to go coach. So I like, excuse me. I like raised my hand and I said, listen, I need to run. I'm the, the soccer coach and all the balls are in my car. I, I got to drive home and go coach soccer. The minute I left the room, my boss told me this later, that the senior vice president that was in the room, a female turned to her and said, I thought you said she wanted to be an executive. <gasps> now, the funny oh thing God. is oh that God. same person that said that gave me my first executive role. You can do it your way, but you got to own your narrative. Yeah. You be convicted in what's important to you and not wishy-washy about that and own that. And then you, you show up and you be the best at what you do and you get better at your craft versus all the busy nonsense stuff. I promise you, you can go as far as you want. And if that's not the right company, you go do it somewhere else. But we have to pave that way. I mean, that's what's so critical. And so don't think you have to even go a certain path that's laid out before you, even if it's in a corporate job. I love the two things I want to take away from that is that you have to own your own narrative. Like you knew I'm going to do this. And also I'm not going to do that to get there. And also that you have to do it with conviction. And I think this is where we get, especially when we have, when we, back to people going first, when we don't have a lot of people, women, especially when we don't have a lot of models in front of us, those who've gone first, it's hard to own the narrative and it's hard to stand in that really strong conviction because you might stand in it for like a week or two, but then you're like, I don't know if it's working or not yet. Uh, maybe I need to, I probably should just be more like Jim, Bob, who Michael, whoever over here. And so it's hard to stay in that. Um, and I've felt that in the entrepreneurial space. I've definitely felt that when I'm as an entrepreneur going into corporate spaces with executives and feeling like, and I don't know if you've had this experience. Well, you've been on both ends of it. I often feel as a person who works in leadership, but I go into corporate spaces and that's not where I've spent the last 20 years. <laughs> like they're like really smart in a way that I'm not smart. And then I get in there 
and I'm like kind of feeling it out in minutes. I'm like, oh, they have the exact same insecurities of every single other client I've ever worked with. And every single other woman I've ever met, we're all exactly the same. But I have to stand in there and be like, I'm going to run this conversation with this narrative, knowing that this is how women work and then watch what unfolds. And it always unfolds the same way where everyone's like, oh my gosh, same, me too. I struggle with confidence. I don't know how, like, I worry if I'm saying the right thing the right way all the time. I worry about if I'm a good enough leader, like all the same things always come up, but I have to stand in that confidence, owning the narrative when I walk in the room and then let other people follow, not not letting them follow suit, but let them let their walls down to acknowledge that they are in agreement. And it really reshifts the dynamic. Right. People feel your energy, right? So if you don't own your narrative, they can actually feel that you don't own your narrative. So if instead I was like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, you know, can't like, I almost like permission, like, you know, can I say that I'm going to leave and go coach soccer? Like, you know, it's like people feel that energy. Like if I was not sure if I was making the right decision or not at, you know, not owning that with that conviction, they, people can sniff that out. They just can Mm -hmm. feel it. We don't even know how we feel it. We just do. We feel people's energy. So just like you said, you walk in that room, you like, you have to shift your energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like it's shifting that energy is owning your narrative, right? right? And having that conviction, right? This is what I'm going to do. If you feel tentative, people feel that. 100%. And as soon as you're tentative, then you either stop building trust or you just absolutely break trust. (laughs) And they can't put their finger. That's the interesting thing is it's like the dynamic can be so subtle Mm, that the other person doesn't even know that's what's happening. They just feel it. And something inside of them is like, yeah, I don't think this is the right person for me. Or yeah, oh, I don't think she's got what it takes. Or it's fascinating how this works. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's subtle. It really, really is. But you have to own that narrative and that energy. And just, I think it comes from your convictions. Absolutely. What are your convictions? What what matters to you? And for me, my kids were not going to not matter to me. Now, it didn't also meant there were other times that I said, mommy is going to London. I do need to travel and I'm not going to be here for this. And you know, there was some of that too, but it was also owning that narrative with them right. and being convicted of, you know what? It's okay. Like, it, you know, we're, you got to like, I think it's that awareness, Sarah. It's like, we could sit in mom guilt forever. And actually that is more detrimental to our kids than if we owned a different narrative than that story. Everything's a story, right? So as you're make, whether it's making decisions in corporate or in your business or with your kids, it's like, uh, just listen in first. You already know what you want. You already know what's important. Just own that narrative, own that belief. I promise you. And just being aware, like, oh, I'm feeling that guilt again. Huh? That's coming. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to sit in this. I'm going to change that narrative. I'm going to change that story I'm telling myself about this. Right. Work. Right. I want to touch or dig into a bit how you knew it was time to make a change in your business, in your professional life. And now you've, you know, having done it multiple times, you can dig into one or multiple instances. And also how do you give yourself permission? I think that when you're a parent, like it's a huge responsibility. So when you make those shifts, it's not just you living in an apartment by yourself and like being 23 years old and like being able to like, I could go back home if I need to. Like mom will let me sleep on, you know, mom still has my twin bed in my bedroom. Like, no, like you are with kids and the stakes are much, much higher. So can you talk about how you knew and then how you gave yourself permission? Well, what's interesting is like the first shift was leaving that corporate career at IBM. I mean, I was the primary breadwinner. 
three kids. My husband, he's now retired, but he was a police officer. I was the primary breadwinner making a lot of money at IBM. We had a big house and had a great lifestyle. And it's something I call the income lifestyle trap. Instead of, you know, income lifestyle gap, there's that Mm -hmm. where you're trying to make more money and, you know, to have a certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. There's the other, there's the opposite. It's like, okay, oh no, I just went down this whole path and created this lifestyle that we're all used to now. Mm -hmm. And now I want to be able to get out of it, but I feel trapped, right? So I felt this intense guilt about wanting to pursue my own thing. And honestly, Sarah, that's what kept me trapped in a job that I didn't love for over 15 years was Mm -hmm. that dilemma. Until the day, I think that there are these moments when you talk about when do you know it's the right time to pivot and all of that. I think there's always this knowing. You always know. Like I knew for 15 years I should leave IBM like and start my own thing. It was longer than that that I knew. It was actually before we had the most amazing internet that we have now with the social media we have now. Websites were these like static websites. There was Mm -hmm. no social media. And I went on entrepreneur.com and I ordered materials. Yes, materials to learn how to be an entrepreneur. It came in a five-inch binder in the mail. So think of like their website now, like coming in a binder that's printed in the mail. When I tell you this has been on my soul and like for so long, right? When my daughter who's 20 was an infant, I was looking for options to maybe do my own thing. But that, so that dilemma kept me there forever, right? But I don't want to be, I don't feel guilty. I don't, I'm providing for this family, all the things. And I think what happens is that there are these moments that if you're open to them, they become like the catalyst, like the catalyst moment that you're like, that's it. You know, some people call it the that's it moment where you just know, like, no, that's it. Like I'm out of this dilemma and I'm making this decision. I'm going to make this pivot. And the one with the IBM was I read this book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. So powerful. Bronnie Ware, she's an author, but she was an end of life caregiver for like, I, she left corporate. She was done with corporate. Like, so she left corporate and she just wanted to help people in that transition. And she wasn't a nurse, but she helped families, you know, with people that were really had maybe a month or two left to live. And she did that for years. And what she started to see were patterns of the top five regrets that people had at the end of their life. And that was the like, kick me in the butt. I, I just knew that I didn't want to be 85, 90 hopefully, you know, sitting there going, oh my God, I wish that I had taken that chance instead of staying at IBM until I retired. It was that book that became that catalyst moment. It's kind of like, you know, with a chemical reaction, all you got to do sometimes is add the one thing to the chemical and it's going to have this big reaction. The chemicals are always there, but it's when they came together that it creates that explosion. That's kind of what happened. And, And it's happened every single time ahead of a pivot. You get to that, that's it moment. Use that as an opportunity. Like, Don't let that pass by. And I didn't let that one pass by. And that's when I knew I had to leave. And we made mm. big, bold moves. Like we sold our house. We did, a, that was like a, a whole other like amazing story that we could talk about. But it, like we made bold moves because I didn't want to have those regrets. And I talk about owning narratives, right? Like I, I decided yeah. to have a different narrative. But in business- And, I, and, and I want to say okay. like, I think it's important to point out, like, it's not like I left my job and I, we lost our house. There's the way that this is framed and phrased is so important. And I'm not implying that you lost your house or that like the bank yeah. came to get it from you after you, Choice. but yeah. like, these are choices that we made. These are the bold choices that we made. Like there's just such significance around how every step is framed. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of this in all sorts of our daily interactions, let alone like our really big life moments. And when we write the story a certain way, all of a sudden it positions us to go do the next really big, great thing. 
versus like, oh my gosh, everything's gone wrong or everything's been harder. I haven't done the right thing in the right order. Yeah, totally. And it's also the story again, same thing like we just said about corporate and business. You're like you think you have to be on this one trajectory, this one storyline of what success looks like. And, you know, I remember I was on a flight back from Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was working, still working at IBM, still making the money, still at the house, but I was in my that's it moment. And I landed and I had done all this work on the plane. And I, I said to my husband, like, we need, can we sit down and talk? I need to talk to you about something. I said, I'm really ready to do my own thing. I said, but I really think the way for me to move forward to do this is I think we need to sell the house. If we sell the house, that will put us in a much different position. So I'm not so handcuffed to IBM. And it's funny because I actually, we when after we moved and we did that, I actually didn't leave IBM for another year and a half, right? So yeah, it was owning that narrative again. It was like, taking control of the situation and doing it by design. That's what I always say. My sign behind me is live by design rather than by default, right? So I had been so living by default, which was, oh, well, you start with the apartment and then you get the starter house and then you get the bigger house. Then you go on bigger vacations and then the lifestyle starts spiraling, you know, as you like grow in your career or whatever, right? And I just knew that I was going to have those regrets. And so I decided to take the wheel and live by design, choices by design. And let me tell you, there were people like, what are you? People thought we went insane crazy, that we downsized all the things. And then we own that narrative too. And I got to tell you, we like started a trend. Just like my hair has been starting I a trend. I was just going to say, I'm noticing something. started a trend because people were like, wait, they came to our smaller home and they're like, oh my God, I love this. Wait, like they just, and they actually, we ended up loving the home we have now way more than we love the other home, right? It's just, it's it was owning that narrative. And then people wanted a piece of it because they're like, wait, you sold your house, you downsized and you pursued something you love. Wait, Mm -hmm. I can do that. It's almost like this permission. It's like, yeah, you can do that. And it's just, it's hard. It's not easy. Like, trust me, like for the 18 months after I left IBM was the hardest 18 months of our marriage. Like this is not Mm. all like roses and (laughs) thank you for saying that piece. (laughs) Oh my God. It takes a long time to build a business, which is why I think my soul was telling me sell the house because of the pressure Mm -hmm. you will feel to try to build a business and maintain this. And it's like, I kind of knew, I think I had this knowing that it was going to take a while and it does. I mean, it does not happen overnight. It just does not. And it took a solid 18 months for not to make what I was making at IBM at all. I still don't make what I make at IBM. My business makes way more than I made at IBM. I don't pay myself that. You know, when you have a business, you have employees, payroll. I'm Mm. on the payroll as an employee. (laughs) We got expenses. It's like I, the 18 months, it was to get it to knowing I wouldn't have to go back to corporate. It took 18 months to get it going to where, okay, I'm making money on a regular basis now. I can start to pay myself to support the family. And then it kind of totally grew from there, right? But it's fascinating, you know, to like see what matters. And I will tell you that I was going to say about the, the 18 months. Oh my gosh. Like my husband, who was supportive of us selling the house and me starting the business, a couple months in, he's like, so, um, when are you going to like start making that same amount of money you were making? And I'm like, like, I'm nowhere near that yet. Right. And so it became this really challenging time in our marriage because I believed in myself and I was going to make this happen no matter what. And him like, I think you need to go back to work. You need to get a job like that. This isn't going to work. And it was just this like barrier between us. And it was really challenging, but we made it through it and it's good now. But I'm telling you some of these bold, hard decisions there is going to be some tough times as you are making your your goal, your dream, the life you want happen. 
This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and it, I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I so appreciate that story and that really trans uh, high level transparency, because I think what's really important to recognize, and I think that this is where we often quit, is that no one's going to see our vision or feel our vision or have an intuitive hit around like, I can absolutely do this and make it work the way that we are. And so even the people closest to us who might want to support everything that we do, it's not their vision. It's not, they're not like the one who is like, I know I can do this. I just need X amount of time or X amount of resources or whatever. So there is this tension around like having to prove yourself and having to show. And some people in your life who don't believe in you or don't get it, you can just be like, fine, bye. But it's like your marriage, your kids, like your clothes, you know, your mom, it, like those are relationships where you're like, well, 
just sit back and watch. (laughs) But I also, at the same time, like when mortgages need to be paid and stuff like that, like those are really, really big, hard decisions. And I think any entrepreneur has been through, or anyone who's been like entrepreneur or person who's gone through a career change or gone back to school or like made a decision that's potentially destabilizing to a family, I think is that's what you have to sit in for a while. It's really hard. And, you know, it reared its head in my business, quite frankly. In fact, you know, doing what I get to do now and loving what I get to do now, it took time to get there because I was putting so much pressure on myself to get the business to a certain level because it did feel like I destabilized the family. I did feel like, like I remember I had at the time I had two kids that were like going to be entering high school, which meant college. Right. And so like, I like this looming college stuff was in front of me. And the interesting thing is the amount of personal growth that I had to go through, not in creating a business and getting out there and all that was hard. Yeah. A hundred percent. But the growth I had to do in letting myself, stopping to like punish myself, having guilt, pressure that like had this story in my mind that that my entire family of fives, financial well-being and future and any entertainment and life was on my shoulders and my shoulders alone. Mm -hmm. It was just this story I had. It wasn't true. And it was fascinating because I felt that way so deep to the core. I remember working with a coach because it actually was one of my biggest limiters in growing my business. Even though I'm putting all this pressure on myself to grow the businesses, it was actually stopping the business from growing because I was just making the wrong decisions out of, I got to grow, I got to grow, I got to grow. Instead of, I want to serve, I want to serve, I want to serve. Like, this is what I'm passionate about, like all that stuff. And so there was like this, this disconnect. And I'm so proud of myself that that's not my narrative anymore, that over time I was like, no my husband, we're in this together. Like, yeah, you know, he has a responsibility like I do. I I really felt like it was all me. Mm -hmm. And that shift actually helped our marriage um, immensely because he started to make some different decisions in his own career and what he wanted to do and all of these things. And so it actually served him for me not to like put that narrative on myself. Yeah. So it's amazing these like stories that we have that that's the growth. You go through these hard things and you change, like you literally change the paradigms, the recurring stories that you tell yourself, like they have to move and grow with some of these bigger, bolder moves. And they're, they're not easy, but I'm probably as proud of like, who I've become over the last few years as I am by the business results, right? It's like, that could all go away tomorrow. I'm different than who I was. I love it. And I totally agree. Yeah. it's. I mean, there's nothing like entrepreneurship or making it through a big transition to make you have to find yourself and root yourself in a new way, which then totally informs everything moving forward from there. You have a formula that I read in your bio when I was preparing for the show and I was like, I don't even know how to say it. So I didn't, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to ask her because I don't know how to say the formula. But then we got on Zoom as we are right now. And the formula is also like framed on your wall behind you. So I was like, okay, we need to talk about the formula. So can you totally. tell us your magical formula yes. of what it stands for? And and I would love to, I mean, we'll start with that. I'm sure I'll have follow-up yeah. questions. So I, it's, it really, it has a name. It's called the now, the now goal formula. And the reason I came up with this is that 
the story I already told about being at IBM and 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 wishing and hoping that I would could be an entrepreneur and have my own business was like something I had forever. In fact, when I left, I had this one guy reach out to me. He goes, you know, you told me like 15 years ago, like you wanted to open your own flower shop. I mean, I was I'm like, I did. I said that like, I definitely like I was always saying things like I, it was something I wanted. But what it was, was a someday goal. So these are the goals we have. We get someday goals. Someday goals are that thing that we're like, well, when the kids are older, when I'm retired, when, when you have a when in front of it, it's like a someday goal. Then we've got all our should goals and should goals are all the things we write down typically on New Year's Day. Like, oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going, and they're, they're like, we beat ourselves over the head with them because they're these should things and should doesn't feel good. So someday nothing's happening. Should we're beating ourselves up with these goals, right? We're like chasing it, someone else's narrative or chasing someone else's like totally. path. Yeah. Totally. So the now goal is this idea. It's that big impossible goal that you've always wanted to go after. It's like this desire. It's like this, like it, it's just burning in you. Like this is that desire. Like it could be that you want to run a marathon or do an Iron Woman, you know, or triathlon, or it could be that you want to start that business, or maybe you're in a career and you've always wanted to start a podcast or write a book or whatever it is. It's kind of like, or some kind of a travel, like maybe it's, it's to travel somewhere. And, and right now you don't know where the funds might come from, from that, but it's this thing instead of it being, well, I'll travel there when it's this, you bring it into the now, right? So it's the thing that isn't someday it's no, I'm actually working on this now right? That's why we call it the now goal. And it's, it has this like kind of big impossible feel to it, but desire, almost like you're equally like frightened by it as you are excited by it. It's like this, like it's giving you this energy, right? It's this catalyst for growth. And for me, like I'll use the example, like leaving IBM and starting my own business, when that became a someday goal, when it became a now goal, that's when everything started to happen because you've shifted your, your focus on no, like I'm doing this now. I'm going to start taking action now every day. So the formula behind me, what I what it came about because the now goal itself and that concept happened before it, I put it into an actual formula with, uh, I'll share what it is for the listeners. I found that all the women I was working with would get stuck. We call it the knowing doing gap with their now goal. So when I, I said it under Bob Proctor and that's his term is the knowing doing gap. It's like, we know what we need to do. So you got this big goal, this goal you're going after, like starting your own business, right? And it's something you can't wait for. You're so excited about, you know what you need to do. You know, all the steps you need to take, but the actual doing you're not doing. So like, there's this gap, right? And here's like the cliff notes to that is that your current paradigm, your current narrative, because we've been using that word a lot today. So I'll keep using narrative instead of paradigm. Your current narrative is not in alignment mm-hmm. with going and doing those things to the, right, for that right. now goal. Like it's just, they're not, the, they're mm-hmm. not in the same frequency by any right. means. Right. So that's, what's keeping you stuck. So if that's, what's keeping you stuck, it's really thoughts and feelings that you're having that are totally keeping you stuck from taking the action which is preventing you from getting the result that you really want. So the formula is a bit of a rendition on what I learned getting uh, certified at the Life Coach School, which is also what everyone teaches, is that your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, and your actions create your results, which is the truth. But I flipped it on its side. And it looks like a math formula because if we all remember in equations, we do what's in the parentheses first. So the way the formula looks behind me, is there's parentheses and in the parentheses, it's T plus F, 
which is thoughts plus feelings. Your thoughts and your feelings are what go in the parentheses because that's actually what has to happen first. And then I've got an A cubed, which is massive action, right? It's who you be, thoughts and feelings, multiplied by massive action is going to give you whatever result because it equals R, R is result. So it's parentheses T plus F multiplied by A cubed equals R, which in plain speak is who you be, then what you do so that you can have. It's like the bead you have in a formula, okay? You have to manage your thoughts and feelings to take any action. It's why the knowing doing gap happens. So if the result that you want is to leave your day job or you want to run that marathon, let's use like training for a marathon because like that, you know, that way it can probably hit everyone, right? Like this kind of like this physical goal. Well, what is the first thing you do when you have a big goal or result that you want to get to? Like you go, what do I need to do? You go right to the action. Always. What do I need to do? So I want to start a business. What do I need to do? I'm going to run a marathon. What do I need to do? But that's not where you start. When you look at that big goal, like let's say it's to run a marathon. You're like, okay, I'm the kind of person that runs a marathon. Who do I need to be? What do I need to be thinking? What do I need to be feeling? If I'm the person, if I am the kind of person, I've never done it before. So I'm not that person right now. So if I want to become that person that runs marathons, what do I need to be thinking? What do I need to be feeling? Then what do I need to be doing? We call it the to-be list and not just the to-do list because it really matters. I see it happen all the time with that knowing doing gap and it's because of who they're being. It's the chatter in their head. It's how they're feeling. All holds them back. And so you got to tap into how are you going to think and feel if you already are that person that has that goal. And so the funny thing, Sarah, is I ended up getting the formula put into like artwork and I have it in my home office and in my office, uh, in the studio office that I have because I stopped using a whiteboard with my clients. And now we literally just use the formula behind me because every single answer is in that formula for everything. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, it's your thoughts. And no, it's, it's like, it's just, it's so powerful, but it, it's actually how we operate right? Mm -hmm. To create any result that we want. And you can start to help to diagnose where's the problem here. Is it in the doing? Is it in the being? Is it both, right? I would have clients come to me and tell me all the actions they take. I took all these actions to try to get people to come to an event that I was having. I'm like, okay, that's that's great. That's a lot of action. Can you tell me what you were thinking and feeling when you were doing all that messaging and inviting people to this event? And Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to come. What? What? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. She's like, I'm bothering people. They're probably going to think I'm going to sell them something if they come to the event, right? See, it matters. So all she had the biggest epiphany because she thought she was doing all the things, but how she was doing them and who she was being, I'm telling you, energy is felt by people. And you, even words you say will be different if you're like, this is going to be the best event you've ever been. It's owning that narrative. It's like perfect example of that. It's like, no, this event is amazing. You need to be there. People feel that and they act on that. So that's the formula. I, it is, it's powerful. We use it for everything, but we love using it with our now goal because when it comes to the now goal, which is your result that you want, we really work through who do you need to be? And then we practice being her, taking mm-hmm. actions like her. How would she show up at that event? How would she show up even in her home with her kids, like wanting that, that result? So it's really powerful. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. I was mostly really excited to hear about what the three, yes, the cube, the exponential, the exponent. So the three, and I have three words that go with it. It's like, you know, it's, you're taking action, like persistently consistent and it's massive, right? It's not just like, it's not passive action. A lot of people think when they're planning, that's not a cube. I always say like, oh, Mm -hmm. so you've been planning that launch, but you haven't launched yet. Or or you're like in research mode. People think confused like researching with productivity. (laughs) 
or like replying to emails with productivity. Replying to emails is not taking action. Exactly. So that's we like, I kind of call people, it's to remind people, right? That it's it's massive action and it's not action sometime, it's action all the time because this is a now goal, right? So it just kind of all ties together. It's just a really great coaching tool, but it's a great self because you can use it with yourself so easily, you know? I love it. We are somehow already at the end of our time. I was like, oh my gosh, like I thought we had like 20 minutes left. So this has been incredible. I want to know how you work with folk and specifically like who you work with. I know you work with people who are doing exactly what you've done, who are like in the middle of that pivot on the brink of the pivot. But again, probably within that gap where like the knowing, the doing um, are maybe not fully flushed out yet. Can you tell people how you work with them and then people can find you? Yeah. And that's why we were talking before we hit record. Like I love, love, love helping women that are in those early stages of growing their business because that's when the knowing doing gap is at its like finest because your old paradigm is still way in charge. Right. So it love what I like to do is I really marry that 20 years of marketing experience. I've got my MBA in marketing. I kind of take all that like timeless business and marketing and strategies. And I combine it with the mindset work, but also I bring in a little bit of the woo. We use human design and gene keys as well. So I like to say that I bring the women I like to work with or the women that like to work with me like to also bring in a little bit of that woo with the strategy. So it's like woo and logic. It's, you know, the energy and the strategy. It's the magic and the marketing, right? We kind of really infuse it all because most of the women that I work with are services based. Like they're a consultant. Maybe they're leaving their day job and and building their own consulting practice or they're a coach. And when you are a coach or a consultant, you are the product. And when you are the product, you got to know how to position you to brand yourself to really have like bridge that knowing doing gap and putting yourself out there. You're not selling a product that's physical. And so that's who I really work with. That's who I help. I really help them to get to that. You know, that stopped. I stopped saying I used to say, oh, to get to that first six figures. Well, you know what? Not everyone wants that. So I stopped even using monetary. What's success for you? What is freedom? Where can you start to have choices, that's where I'm going to help you get your business to, right? What's right for you? It's different for everybody. And so that's really who I work with. It's really female coaches and consultants to be able to brand themselves. I call it marketing school to help them be able to actually know how to market themselves. We call it Ignite Her Brand. That's our signature program. And easy enough. I mean, I have a podcast. I love, you know, free is a great place to start for things because, you know, you got to know, is this the right person for you? So brand is the name of the podcast. And this is where I talk a lot about this, like marrying the inner work with the outer strategy. Um, so that you can find me on the podcast there, or you can just go to our website, juliecrd.com. But I also love to actually have connection with people. So if you liked this or you want to share anything or whatever, just, you know, snap a picture of, you know, listening, tag Sarah and I, you know, if you want to message me, I love hearing from people that listen to the podcast. So I love it. And you're super responsive on Instagram. That's where I, where you and I do all of our connection. <laughs> Um, I love it so much, Julie. This has been so fun. I want you to tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh, well, I'm going into my 50s, girl, like wearing what I want with my style, even having a 20 and 18 year old. They're like, really? Like the judging of older children. Oh. Let me tell you, oh, it I just, it, right with my nine year old, it's like, you're so pretty mommy. And I'm like, I oh. love you. Right. We're like the older two, like you're wearing that. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Right. And just owning that. And then actually then I'm end up being like, yeah, actually, look at you go. Right. So it's, a, I'm being shameless in that I'm balancing 
I guess it goes back to that owning that narrative. That was like our theme yeah, from this whole podcast, right? Totally. It's like owning that narrative of like, I'm going to own what turning 49 looks like. I'm going to own what turning 50 looks like. And it's going to look probably very different than my mom or other moms in the past, because we're kind of on this new frontier. I really believe that I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, you know, going to be 50 next year. And I really feel like we're on this new frontier of redefining what aging looks like, what being a mom, you know, looks like at the different stages. And I'm all about it. I say, let's bring it. Yes, yes, yes. What a great place to end. I love it so much. Oh my goodness, Julie, I love this conversation. I want you to come back even before or after your next pivot. (laughs) I'm here for all of it. Um, I so appreciate you taking the time to be here. I love the work that you're doing in the world. We'll put everything in the show notes. If people want to go over to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Julie Ciardi, and then you can get reach her through her website, through Instagram, through the podcast. We'll have everything linked up over there. I will also link the book that you mentioned, The Top Five Regrets of Dying. So thank you so much for being here, Julie. Thank you, Sarah. It was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.